0: Do no Substitutions, Please, a show about food and the things people do to it. I'm Noah, buttermilk of human kindness, McKiddon.
1: And I'm Louisa, gravy little thing called love, Heron.
0: What food are we talking about this week, Louisa?
1: As the weather turns cold, we've got some comfort food for you. This is the classic chicken fried steak.
0: Or is it country fried steak? Is the question. Aha!
1: the uh, longest debated thread closed by moderators after
0: <laughs> also concerning a lot of libertarians in both of <laughs> yeah, these cases. <laughs> yes, this is well the the joke I wanted to make was that this is about as far as you can get from Hispanic heritage month, but that's not really true because we've already talked about how breaded uh meat, right? Mm-hmm. is this – has has sort of spread all around the Western Hemisphere. Now, I know you know the history of this to some degree from the culinary perspective. I know it a little bit more from the historical perspective. So, um, would you care to share with the class what you've learned?
1: Yeah. It seems that this dish was created in Texas, what we now know as
0: Texas. Of fucking course.
1: <laughs> in the middle of the 19th century, probably. And it most likely came from German settlers in the area who brought types of schnitzel that they were familiar with and then modified those with the ingredients that were abundant to them as ranchers in Texas.
0: Which is mostly going to be beef, flour, milk, eggs. Yep. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, I have become somewhat familiar over the years with the, the history of German settlement in Texas. And apparently, at one point, a funnily enough, there is an alternate universe where those German settlers apparently included Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels. Oh, wow. Yeah, when they got kicked out of Germany... Um, I guess Marx had that skin condition that gave him like the, the painful boils and so on. and Oh,
1: and a dry climate like they used to recommend yeah, so much. Yeah, exactly.
0: So they, they actually, a doctor did recommend apparently that he moved to a drier climate um, and they did consider going to Texas, which it would have been kind of amazing to imagine.
1: Cowboy philosophy, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, oh, but hold on—you have just struck the chord because a lot of those settlements. This is why I became interested. Okay, most of them aren't around anymore. But the German Triangle of Texas, the which is near San Antonio, kind of the New Braunfels, Fredericksburg, that area, right? There's a dialect called Texas German that is unfortunately dying out in those places, and that area had what are called the Latin settlements. And those were settlements of Germans. They were not Latin people. They weren't, you know, speaking a Romance language. Well, at least not natively. But the idea was supposed to be to get back to a Catonian style of living. Oh, wow. So, they would go back. They would ranch. They would farm. They would put these towns together. And then the menfolk, of course, would get together and discuss philosophy. They would read Mm -hmm. classical texts and, you know, talk about all these big questions like, what is beauty and can we ever really know anything? And uh, (laughs) how do we make sure that women don't intrude on this sacred space Mm -hmm. of ours where it's just guys being dudes?
1: That is amazing. You get some of that around here. Um, Yeah, the same type of thing. People come over from Europe and they're like, guess what? We're going to reinvent society from the ground up and it's going to be perfect this time. And now they're just like little footnotes in local history about artist communities and things.
0: And and somehow, most of the time, when they reinvent society, they have one reference frame, because as we know, mm-hmm. men are yes. always thinking about the Roman Empire. <laughs> exactly. Very true. Yeah. So, that that's why I'm familiar with that history. And yeah, they, they, they bring over schnitzel, and then, as we've talked about, that spreads throughout the rest of the hemisphere, which is where we get like the Milanesa and the... Uh, uh, del humillo empanado and all these other things in other countries, but in Texas it is chicken fried steak. Mm -hmm. Or is it country fried steak?
1: Yes, good question. Here's the thing. I think this distinction in names is like in the English language. We have the word turtle and we have the word tortoise. Those have the same root and in many languages they only have one word, but because in English we have two different words, we have decided that they describe two different things. So we've made categories for what can be a turtle and what can be a tortoise, which other languages don't make that distinction. So, And in the same way, because we have the words country fried steak or chicken fried steak, people have decided they mean these two different things. So I've read a recipe that said country fried has a brown gravy, whereas chicken fried has a cream gravy. And a separate recipe told me the only difference is country fried is shallow fried, and chicken fried is deep fried. But in truth, I think these are all describing the same dish.
0: Yes, those distinctions are horseshit. (laughs) What I'm fairly certain that what it is, knowing this dish somewhat intimately, is that when chicken fried steak came out to the wide, wide world of of American culinary tradition and became this thing that was going to spread beyond just Texas to the rest of the United States, because it can't be Milanesa doing it. It has to be in English, right? People saw the name chicken fried steak and immediately wondered, what the hell does this mean? Where's the chicken? How does that interact with the steak? What does it mean for something? Are you telling me a chicken fried this steak? What's happening here? Uh Uh-huh. And the response was to say, well, no, actually, a whole country fried the steak. So we're going to use that. We're going to fancify it a little bit. It – they're the same thing. They're the same thing. They're the same thing. Yes. You had an encounter with some people that are still confused about the name of this dish.
1: Yeah, I didn't pull any of these particular comments, but there were a lot of people asking, well, why is it called chicken fried steak then? There's no chicken in this recipe. And you know, some might be trolls, some might not be that familiar with English language, but it does add an extra speed bump to understanding. And I do think it's interesting that if you are somewhere in the South, especially in Texas, you would understand what chicken fried meant as a, as a concept that doesn't just have to apply to chicken – Whereas I think in the rest of the country, you don't really see that. Because when you you hear about chicken, you're not automatically thinking of it being fried a certain way. So country fried does help in that instance, I think.
0: Yes. I think it's very much a term meant to generalize the dish, to market it for people outside of where it's from, which is fair. But then you do have people kind of getting mad about is there a difference between the two or Mm -hmm. sort of the the only real – the, the real shit is the chicken fried steak. And it's like, yeah, and y'all could have just called it by a better name in the first place and avoided this entire problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know us, we're not going to, especially I'm not going to resist taking pot shots at Texans. So <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Now we're going to get to how you know more about this dish, but I have only ever had it at the restaurant Cracker Barrel. And it was perfectly fine. Their gravy, not very good, in my opinion. It was the cream gravy, but it's a perfectly fine dish, and I'm sure very good versions are excellent.
0: What is your history with this? Did Did your waiter have a suspiciously fake Southern accent?
1: <laughs> no, although I have heard that about Cracker Barrel, so I do wonder.
0: I've only been to Cracker Barrel once, and it was in Ohio near Dayton, and I distinctly remember. Not just our uh, server, but another server speaking with a Southern accent in, again, the area of Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> very confusing. Yeah, that is suspicious. It made me feel less welcome in that restaurant. And I want to make it very clear, I am a person who finds – I find Southern accents extremely soothing. Mm-hmm. Even when I was a little kid, I wanted a Southern drawl so badly. I thought they were amazing accents. I am not one of these people that thinks it marks you out as in any way lesser, which I, I know a lot of people up here, especially in my area. Yeah. Just very funny. I live in a place where... Everyone kind of talks about how much dumber the South is, and then you find one day you walk out into your apartment parking lot, and you find that the car parked opposite yours has a Confederate flag deco on the back, and suddenly mm. you think of committing arson.
1: <laughs> yeah, can't
0: believe you there. Anyway, we haven't actually talked about what this is. Can you believe this?
1: Yeah, you're, that's a good point. We're talking about a thinly cut uh, piece of beef. It's usually tenderized. We can get more into that, but... A a thin cut piece of beef that then has been breaded and fried in the manner that you would uh, for chicken. So if you're thinking of like KFC, something like that, especially KFC extra crispy, because you're probably looking at a thick, craggy layer of seasoned flour breading. That's a good way to put it. And then you are frying it either shallow or deep. So it gets really nice and crispy. The beef cooks inside. That doesn't take very long. And then you are serving it with a thick layer of a thick gravy, which should be, I believe, a cream gravy. Thank you. Some people will serve it with a brown, uh, more meat-based gravy.
0: Criminals. (laughs) Actually, that would make them cool. Nerds. There, got them.
1: There we go. Yeah, and it's usually served with things that you would find in a standard American diner, like uh, mashed potatoes, green beans, peas and corn, things like that. Things that would be good smothered in a meat-flavored gravy of some kind.
0: All right. First of all, slow your roll. The classic is the mashed potatoes and the green beans. (laughs) What's wrong with peas and corn, which
1: I have had it with?
0: There's nothing wrong with it, but the classic sides are the mashed taters and the green beans. So I'm sure somebody is going to call and tell me I'm wrong about this, but – Here's where we can get into why I know this dish. I am Texan by marriage. Yes. And as a result, I've been making this dish for a very long time. In fact, can I get cute on the podcast for a second? Two weeks into my teaching career, I think it was some kind of activity night. I had just been asked to make sure nothing went horrendously wrong, and I remember I met the owner of a nearby diner, and I walked out with a bunch of pasta and whatnot. It was, it was a really nice night. Um, I met. An older gentleman who had taken class in my classroom with a very different uh, teacher. Somebody who has an IMDB credit, actually. Ooh, fancy. And then uh, I I left for my apartment where the woman that I am now married to, at the time we were not, had made chicken fried. I I think it was steak. It may have been chicken, but it was Mm. a country fried meat with mashed potatoes and green beans. And after that, I I think for the first few years we were together, she generally made it. And then because frying foods is something that didn't really bother me for the longest time to just go at it with a cast iron skillet and just be babysitting uh, a breaded food. That's something that I very much specialize in as opposed to my wife who prefers the kind of food where either it's, if you're going to have to do that, it's over in a few minutes like that like a country of paper or something like that, you only really have to babysit it when it's all coming together. And otherwise, it's just preparing the ingredients for that precision moment. Mm -hmm. Or baking, where you assemble everything, and then you put it in the oven and put it into God's hands and and hope the chemistry does the trick. To me, I'm much more the kind of person, I have the energy where I am fine sitting there and like watching the breading take shape and everything and when's the optimal time to flip it and all this stuff. So that's very much my kind of dish. And I eventually took it over, and I've been spending the past, I would say, probably better part of a decade trying to improve on the standard recipes. I've tried all sorts of things. I've tried even different cuts of meat, which we can get into. I started out with the standard cubed round steak that almost everybody will probably consider the the standard meat for this dish.
1: Yeah, that's the kind of thing you either need to have specialized equipment for or a grocery store that will do this for you. Mm -hmm. So this is a little tricky to find, I think. Cubed steak.
0: It is. So at this point, now in 2023, I can get it usually at the grocery store. Okay. Or I can sometimes get it at a butcher's. A number of butchers in the area Mm. will happily – and I mean, they'll do it with – other cuts if you ask them to usually
1: yeah if you're not familiar what this is is you take you can either you either have a mallet that has this or it's a machine that with rollers but it's lots of uh very small blades that will pierce partway into the meat all over the entire surface that's what cubing
0: is yep and it's it mostly makes it thinner more even and therefore it will cook faster, which is what you need because otherwise you run into a whole lot of problems, which is why I was working to improve the recipe. I found almost immediately that standard cubed steak has uh, still a decent amount of kind of uh, water weight and juices and so on that can really present the problem when you're trying to fry it. I had the problem of having unappetizing dark streaks in the breading, when the juices would start leaking out from the steak as it cooked. There are ways to help that, one of which is just use better quality meat to begin with. That seems to help a a decent amount. It it doesn't completely solve the problem. But what you find is that a really good homemade or or well-made chicken fried steak incorporates that into the breading by frying at the right temperature so that as those juices come out, they just get fried right into the breading. And if you've done the breading correctly, if you've made it properly craggy and so on, it doesn't run straight. It just sneaks into the little crags, separates, and then boom, it just puffs with everything else and you get a beautiful crispy breading that now has the bonus of tasting extra meaty. Mm, delicious. And that is real nice. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I tried to work really hard to improve was the cream gravy because like you, I have had plenty of cream gravy that tastes like wallpaper paste.
1: Yeah. It's just naturally very bland, so it really comes down to how you're able to introduce flavors to it.
0: And we're going to get into one of those methods as soon as we start on comments, but for me, the most important thing was just accepting that that it was kind of bland by itself and that that's an excuse to really play around there. I tend to not want to add much allium to it. I don't like doing a whole lot of onions or garlic in there, but I tend to like doing peppers, so I will sometimes fry up a couple of minced jalapenos with the trimmings from the, the breaded steak that I just fried in there. I'll try to get them to caramelize a little bit and then pop in you know, the flour, make the roux, and when I add the milk and or cream, depending on how decadent I'm feeling, definitely hit it with a lot of salt, a lot of black pepper, and a decent amount usually of pure ground jalapeno. I don't try to use any jalapeno salt or anything like that because I find a lot of those they make the gravy too sweet and then it, it does have a weird taste. Let's see, is there anything else we need to talk about here? It's a fairly simple food. I think the one thing I I do need to add is I did eventually start using buttermilk as part of the process, hence the nickname. And one of the things about that that I found very helpful Is, um, I think we mentioned this when we talked about fried chicken, but using the buttermilk, rubbing it into the flour that you're going to dust the the chicken, pardon me, the steak with. Now I'm doing it. (laughs) So that then you get those little crags naturally in the breading. So you, you rub it in until it's about the texture of coarse sand is what they usually tell you. Yeah which I have my doubts about the coarseness of the sand that some of these people have seen in their lives, having now done this process several times. Me too. And then you you just press it really hard onto the chicken. And w- again, onto the steak.
1: <laughs> well, I'm relating to you because I've used this breading process to make fried chicken sandwiches. So that's
0: what I'm associated with. But you know what? This is why I prefer the term country fried. Because uh-huh. number one, there is no – confusion here. You know that you're referring to the process. And also because calling it Chicken Fried reminds me ineluctably of the Zac Brown piece of shit song Chicken Fried, <laughs> which I've had to, I have been subjected to multiple times in my life. And again, every single time, I have thought of doing horrendous things.
1: I'm not familiar with this song, but I understand how much it upsets Noah.
0: <laughs> it is the ultimate pandering bro country song. Uh terrible. It, it's so bad. If, you, if you've ever heard Bo Burnham's Pandering, if you've ever heard uh, you were talking about a supercut of all the times country musicians talk about a girl in tight jeans and yeah. a Ford F-150, it's that. They just yeah. made that song. It's like The Onion paid somebody to make the most generic fucking country song in existence but it's real. And people enjoy it.
1: People don't have any taste. We already know
0: that. People are hogs. So, we know what chicken fried steak is. Let's find out how some people on the internet are doing it wrong. Louisa, who's on first?
1: Here's someone who I don't think is doing it wrong, because they just have one simple suggestion. And I think it's a good one. And they say, this isn't a review, but a comment. (laughs) That's always a bad sign when someone gets up at a conference.
0: Yes, yes it is.
1: But here, it's good. This may be the very best chicken fried steak recipe in the world. However, my comment is this. Chicken fried steak gets its name from cooking the steak in the oil that you previously fried chicken in. That is why you should reserve that oil to use again for frying chicken or for other recipes needing that flavor. Now I will go and fry up that chicken fried steak using your recipe. Thank you.
0: We have several friends that talk like this. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's a very uh, formal way of beating around the bush, I guess. (laughs) But their point is, use the oil you've used to fry other meats for meat dishes. And I think that's great advice. And I have a jar of oil that I use for that in my fridge right now.
0: Two things. Number one, yes, this is a very good tip. The best chicken fried steak I have ever made. I purposefully got a jar of oil very dark. It was bright. It was almost like a the. This is going to be disgusting, but oh, <laughs> it was the, almost the color of iced tea. Okay, no, that, from all that the spices that I had that I had thrown in there, yeah, I had used it to fry chicken. I had used it to fry whatever, but because I tend to use a lot of smoked paprika and red pepper powders and more on powders in a moment and stuff like that in my recipes, it had turned very red. And all of that flavor got imparted into the breading of the steak, which very often if, is, is where all of the flavor is going to be in the first place. So, you want to really localize it in there and introduce as much as you can into it. So, it was really nice that way. Also, second thing. So, a chicken really is frying that steak, if you think about it.
1: Yes, you're right. It's all coming together.
0: Amazing. This is is like the chicken's revenge (laughs) on the cow for being a superior animal. I may be losing the plot here. Okay. Here's somebody else who has a good idea that took some convincing from Louisa uh, towards me on this one. But I do think it's worth it. There is one person listening who is going to be very angry at the end of this comment.
1: I want to say, I don't like you saying convincing on my part,
0: because I'm not in favor of this. Oh, really? just yelling about how I thought that you would like it. Okay, so we can talk about this after I'm done reading. Yep. Much to my eternal regret, I never obtained my mother's chicken fried steak recipe before she passed. This is almost spot on. I remember it being a messy big affair, and this is it. Lol. But it is delicious and tastes almost exactly like hers. I add some fresh grated nutmeg to the gravy slash sauce as I think that is what is missing from her recipe. Bottom line, this is amazing and worth the mess. So you don't like you don't like the nutmeg here, huh?
1: I don't. I think I've talked before how I don't really like it in meat dishes, and I know that's very common in German food and English food. I don't love it. It's too sweet to me, even though it's not actually sweet.
0: Have you had mace? Yes. Are they meaningfully different to you?
1: Uh, To me, I don't think they are, no.
0: Okay. I've seen it at the store, and it's always in a size where it's like, well, if I want to make a bunch of 15th century dishes, then sure, fine. But for normal use, it's just not worth it. I tend to put a little bit of nutmeg into cream sauces. So it's more about that. It's not really about the fact that it involves the meat. Ironically, the one meat dish I do use it in is pork schnitzel, Uh where cayenne and nutmeg are added to the flour that you're going to dust before doing the egg and then the breadcrumbs. It is very easy to stub your toe on it. I... I have definitely found that to be true, especially if it's good quality nutmeg. It will have a lot of flavor to it, and you can overshadow uh, a good piece of pork with that.
1: I think because it's the main flavor of eggnog, I really mm. associate it with eggnog very strongly.
0: Yeah, it's, it's tough. And see, maybe this, is, maybe this explains a lot because I did not grow up drinking eggnog. I grew up drinking coquito, uh-huh. which is what eggnog wants to be when it grows up.
1: Which is a great vegan alternative if anyone out there is looking for a vegan alternative to
0: eggs. Also very true. I think, I think we've just discovered an episode uh, for our Christmas season. Aha! Very nice! At any rate, where I'm going with this is, if you put in a little bit, I do think that it makes cream sauces taste a little bit richer, a little bit more decadent. I can see that. And it is very German. So the, it does add a certain expected quality to it. Like I I haven't had a ton of German food in my life, but what I have had, I do taste it in a lot of it. So it it makes sense to add it in. I don't know.
1: And I will say, I'm a total hypocrite here because it's called for in my pork pies and I do mix some nutmeg in with the pork and the sage and thyme. So, you know.
0: How could you? How could you do that? I know,
1: right? (laughs) It adds something and I can't tell what, but yes.
0: By the way, we should say, once again, we have reached the point at which, after this, there's nothing helpful coming. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just dunk on some fools.
1: Here's somebody doing a common thing we see now of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And they say, This might be a good candidate for a sous vide modification. Do you think you could cook the steak in the sous vide, get it tender, cool it, and then apply the batter and fry? And someone else has responded, no, I don't think so. You need to cook the batter, which will involve enough heat to totally cook the steak. So better to start with raw steak. And what I mean about square peg in a round hole is it seems like there's a certain type of person who loves the idea of a kitchen gadget like a sous vide machine. So then everything must be sous vide. And when we're talking about a fried dish like this, it makes no sense. There's nothing about this that would be improved by sous vide. Stop thinking about sous vide machines for a minute, guy.
0: Yeah. Ironically, I would say that Respondent cooked them much more efficiently than a sous vide machine would.
1: (laughs) Yes. Very good. Thank you.
0: (laughs) And did so nine years later. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely wow. Um, Yeah, I have had several friends who were at some point bitten by the sous-vide bug. I've had some pretty decent food out of a sous-vide machine. The problem is that a sous-vide machine is like any other kitchen gadget. If you are already good at cooking, then it makes you better at cooking. If you are bad at cooking, it will not save you.
1: It will save you in the sense that it can get food to a food-safe temperature so you can eat it. But I've seen some things people do that are just sous vide, and then that's it, right onto the plate. It's not very pretty.
0: Yeah. And I I guess I'll say it. You you said this when we were picking this comment, but this is severe tech bro energy.
1: Yes! Very much. The idea of just getting—I'm getting this gadget. It's going to solve all my kitchen problems, so clearly I need to make every dish using
0: this machine. I I don't remember where I saw this recently. It's definitely not my original thought. I know that for sure, but somebody was saying that there's a kind of there's a kind of common pathology to the tech bro that if I have a problem, the solution needs to be implemented in hardware. Yeah. As opposed to being implemented in you know wetware in the brain, right? Mm-hmm. Like instead of figuring out a better way to make this, or simply accepting. On some level, this is a lot of work, and I just have to put up with that. Yep. they they just refuse to deal with it. But I, imp in, in and you can tell in particular the voice that this is written in from the fact that that first sentence ends in a question mark.
1: Yeah, their statement is this is going to be a good idea, but then their question is, don't you agree? Mm-hmm. No.
0: Yeah, no. It's 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 very much better at just law of headlines. If you have to use a question mark, the answer is no.
1: <laughs> and I was going to say, you see this, apart from this this particular mindset, and apart from sous vide machines, you see a lot of recipes that involve breading and frying something, or I see these anyway, where the person is trying to change the recipe so they can do stuff beforehand that doesn't make any sense. There are a lot of recipes for things like this, this person or fried chicken, where people are like, yeah, but could I cook, could I poach that chicken ahead of time and keep it in the fridge and then right before it's time to make chicken sandwiches, bread it and fry it? And it's like, no, because the reason it's only cooked once in the recipe is because it does all the cooking. You can't cook part of it ahead of time and then put it together. Like, that's part of it. That's baked into the recipe.
0: I think you'll find it's fried into the recipe. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. And it's so hard for people to wrap their head around, I guess, the idea of a recipe that might mean you need to go into the kitchen, work for two hours, and then eat. Because some recipes are like that, but everyone's convinced they can find a way to make half of it ahead of time and then only work 20 minutes on the day. Some recipes don't work that way.
0: Yeah. You know who I blame? Millennials.
1: Yes, there we go with their avocado toast.
0: That's right, yeah. (laughs) But, no, you're absolutely right, and I think this is – I was joking by saying I'm blaming millennials, but I do think there is something understandable to this. Mm -hmm. We are in a world that respects nothing so much as finding the trick solution to things, you know? Yes, good point. One of the things that a lot of science fiction writers love to complain about now is the proliferation of of SF books – where there's always a clever solution. There's always a way to get out of the problem. If you just think hard enough, if you just, you know, roll the natural 20 on your uh bluff skill or whatever it is, right? Like it the pieces will just fall into place and everything's gonna work out. Or what if we had this amazing vision that that relies on completely changing the character of our universe in a way that if it happened now, would not be realistic, would not reflect yeah. human nature, would not reflect the way that decisions are made, I guess, is where I'm going with this. We live in the world of the life hack, because sometimes a recipe really can be made ahead, and then you just put it together on the day, yeah. and it is natural to wonder, well, for this other thing, is there an easier way to do it? <clears throat> but of course, the difference is that we have several Several cooking websites and organizations that are dedicated to doing nothing but finding the ways in which those things can be made more easily or with less work. And if they are telling you that you can't, then you can't.
1: That's the thing, isn't it? We've complained before about this, or I certainly have, because it really bothers me. You'll read a recipe where they carefully break down... Like, what cut of meat to use for something. And they will show you pictures of the results they get from the different cuts and tell you what their results are taste-wise, texture-wise, and what their uh, test uh, eaters liked or didn't like. And then they will recommend one for you and say, Use this one, because according to all that we've done and we've shown you what we've done, this is the one. And immediately someone in the comments will be like, No, you should be using the other one. Just no explanation. Like... Uh, It's very
0: frustrating. No one believes – this is why I used to get mad at people who turned uh, doing their own research into a meme. Admittedly, it was very funny a lot of the time. (laughs) But that's what everyone does. Everyone loves doing their own research. That's the world we live in right now. Nobody trusts anybody else to give them good information because a lot of the time, people aren't doing research at all. They're just – going off of whatever they decided is true in their minds already.
1: Yeah. Well, sometimes you see people commenting on a recipe and they're angry. Well, you didn't call for salt. And then replies to that will be, yeah, they did. It's right in the list of ingredients. And the thing is, they got to the point of the recipe reading it where they're like, there should be salt in here. And then they just got so angry about that idea, they went right to the comment section without even finishing reading the recipe. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I don't know what the solution is.
0: Uh, The solution is to treat it like this person who has nothing but positive things to say. Very most normal comment we've had in, in any of these recipes, I think. Love it. Made it just as written except use petite tenderloin. Could have doubled the amount. Could have double plus the cayenne if you like heat. Nice, thick, tasty gravy. I added a bit of pepper at the table. Served this with broccoli, grapes, and potatoes. I'd say the mashed potatoes are necessary. We eat well when we eat this recipe. I did notice a couple things in there. Oh? How could you possibly? What could you possibly have noticed that was wrong in any of this? Objection. Leading the witness. (laughs) I think we both... I don't think... No, hold up. That's not a leading question. It was open. I said, what could you possibly have noticed? (laughs) But you're using
1: that voice like your voice is making the jerk-off motion while you say it. (laughs)
0: Fair, fair point. Yeah, I love this idea. Yeah. The number of episodes on, of Law & Order where Sam Waterston was just doing that while the the opposing counsel. Can you imagine oh, if that were an, oh my god. Why couldn't we get this on television? Holy shit. Oh, someday. Someday we'll be working yeah, for television. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I thought you were going to say that it's just going to get to the point where it's acceptable to the jerk-off motion on television.
1: (laughs) I also think that's true. (laughs) So the elephant in the room is served with broccoli, grapes, and potatoes.
0: Unless the form of the grapes is that they've been crushed, fermented, Mm -hmm. bottled the whole nine yards. I'm very confused.
1: Yeah, same. I will say, to complicate this, to not make this easier, this person provided more information. This is a website where you can upload photos, and they responded to this comment by uploading a photo of their plate, and it only had the steak, gravy, mashed potatoes, and broccoli on it. So, they said, grapes.
0: But there were no grapes?
1: There were no grapes. There were no grapes in the
0: picture. Interesting.
1: Also... I really would love an Oxford comma here because do they mean grapes and potatoes as if they're the same dish, or are grapes separate from potatoes?
0: Uh, you said they were mashed potatoes, right? Yeah. So the implication is the grapes are mashed into the potatoes.
1: <laughs> That's a possibility. Or are they hidden inside the potatoes? A little grape surprise for dinner. I hate that. Witch's eyeballs. Happy Halloween.
0: Still hate it. <laughs> Anyway, continue, because you had a description. I have not seen this picture of the dish, but you painted the picture with words. They were not positive words.
1: <laughs> That's true. And I think a lot of it was lighting, because, you know, as we know, it's extremely hard to photograph food attractively.
0: Louisa, nobody's interested in you making excuses. Just get to <laughs> it. Just go for the dunk, damn it.
1: I can't say it very pithily. It's all a mess. But there. Chicken fried steak and gravy looked fine, but it looked kind of like what you see in, like, a frozen meal. So, like, Marie Callender's has a fried chicken with gravy
0: dish. Yeah, it's and not it good. A lot like that. Yeah, Ugh, not great. I hate not that. Not really
1: attractive, but, you know, it was standard. Mediocre. <laughs> the broccoli was so overboiled that all the little florets were starting to come off. You know how that can kind of happen when it's starting to turn to mush? <laughs> So those are all sort of stuck all over this lump of boiled broccoli, and it was just very unappetizing to look at.
0: I love that when you describe a dish, whether positively or negatively, uh, visually you do the the hand movements, for sure. But also- Like I'm solving a Rubik's Cube of this. You piece. have this like high register that you adopt when you're describing a dish that is- very soothing to listen to, except that the food you're talking about is gross. <laughs> and you kind of have to very much listen to the actual words instead of the tone in which they're being said to remember that you're talking about gross food.
1: I need to start an ASMR channel where I just describe gross
0: meals no. for 20 minutes or something. <laughs> just stick with Louise's workshop. Hey, what's Louise's workshop, by the way?
1: Hey, if you care about fake food that's in miniature and is made of plastic and you can't eat it. Check out Louisa's workshop on YouTube. Thank you.
0: Hopefully, uh, and and the amazing thing is that it's all fake food and it's all plastic, and it's still less gross than what this person posted.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's hard because this broccoli—I've eaten broccoli like that, folks. Over boiled, I had that a lot as a kid. It is so easy to avoid. That's the heartbreaking part.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of heartbreak, I think you've got somebody else to talk to us about
1: that's right here's someone who's happy but should they be let's find out let's listen on omg this is so good hubby said put it on the list of meals to do again and again i had three steaks for the two of us he went back for seconds and wouldn't share I had my fork and knife ready to cut off two bites, but no, he wouldn't share. Lesson learned. Get four steaks next time. I hate this man.
0: Yeah, fuck this guy. <laughs> this guy needs to be the, the subject of a Reba McIntyre song sooner rather than later. Uh,
1: I know people love to tell cute stories like, oh, my spouse ate all this stuff that I was supposed to be able to share with them and they wouldn't share at all. ha! <laughs> isn't that funny and cute? no. Get your life right. Don't let this happen.
0: Yeah, get your shit together, honestly.
1: If you're sharing, share. You tell him you get to have half of that third stake. Stand up for yourself.
0: Yeah. And here's the thing you had the armaments ready. You had a fork and knife right there. Use them. Exactly. I don't and we can't we can't go further with this bit without getting ourselves into trouble, is the problem. <laughs> but I am currently envisioning this ballooning into a full Wars of the War of the Roses or whatever it was called. <laughs> the the Michael Douglas, Kathleen, one of the Kathleen's. I don't remember which Kathleen.
1: Bonfire of the Vanities? No.
0: No, 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 no. That was Tom Hanks. No, we're talking um, it's Danny DeVito is their uh, therapist or couples therapist or maybe their divorce lawyer. And it's Michael <laughs> Douglas is married to <sighs> Kathleen okay. Turner. It might be Quinlan. It's not Robertson.
1: From Romancing the Stone?
0: Sure. And they're this couple that- That's
1: weird, huh? Those are the three leads of Romancing the Stone. They're in another movie together?
0: I mean, they were in another movie together because wasn't there a sequel to Romancing the Stone? Yeah,
1: and I haven't seen it. I've heard it's terrible.
0: It is. I was wrong. It is Kathleen Turner. Okay. At least I think I was wrong. I'm not sure anymore. There's too many Kathleen. You
1: did say (laughs) Kathleen Turner.
0: Oh, I did say. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. There's too many Kathleen's. Please eliminate 3. Yeah, thank you. PS, I am not a crank. Uh anyway, <laughs> their life just falls apart because they they're not really well matched and they end up destroying their entire house and
1: They only had three steaks and there's two of them and one of them wouldn't share the steaks.
0: That's probably where it started. I just remember I just remember at one point Michael Douglas just pissing on a roast. That that's the one image oh, from no. my, that movie that is no. burned into my mind.
1: Oh. That's very upsetting to think about.
0: And then and he tells a story about Baccarat. That's all I remember. <laughs> Great. Okay, good. Yeah, that was my introduction to Michael Douglas, by the way, which is why I seem to have avoided the obsession with him that a lot of people have.
1: Do people have an obsession with him? Hmm, I guess so.
0: I think they did when I was younger.
1: Yeah, that sounds right.
0: Yeah, but now, you know, we know that he's a... Weirdo, and now we know more stuff about his dad. And between the two of those, it's just like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, uh, we don't we don't need to talk about them anymore. Agreed. But yeah, no, get your shit together. It. It. You mentioned to a genre of this where it's like because there's another comment here uh, about it. I guess we'll just read it. It's three lines. It's fine. And it's what does a wrecked kitchen matter when compared to your son's undying devotion to CFS? About even, I guess. Ha. You are an adult. Mm-hmm. I can't decide whether this is more tragic if your son, who I hope is not a foodie named Joven. <laughs>
1: Sweet Joven.
0: Is a child that you are allowing to lead you by the nose like this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or if you have a grown ass son who can't make his own chicken fried steak. <laughs>
1: Exactly. I
0: don't know. I've always
1: found it irritating that people think it's very cute to be like, haha, I was bullied by my loved one into doing this thing I didn't want to do. And they don't mean it. They think you're going to take this as very cute, but I hate it. I hate to hear it.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it is tough because like there is, you know, personal relationship dynamics are a thing and one person's joke might be somebody else's, you know, uh, red flag, I guess. Yeah. But I think these are pretty obvious cases of people who need to, like, stand up for themselves more. <laughs>
1: yeah. Particularly the woman who wanted some steak.
0: Seriously. Your her
1: husband said, no, <laughs> after you make the steak? That's one of the benefits of frying food. It takes a lot of work, it's a lot of trouble, and a lot of cleanup. But if you do it, you get to eat as much of that fried food as you want. That's my uh, belief.
0: That's damn right. Okay, well, let's continue with this theme we have now explored of fuck this guy. <laughs> Here we go. Here comes something else. First, they're replying to somebody else and uh, they say, yes, I've had that. And it makes you feel like your stomach is in your throat. I have no idea what any of that means, but we continue. You know, the best CFS, Uh, can we just side note here? You can type out chicken fried steak. (laughs)
1: Like
0: child and family services is a different thing. It's fine. Uh, you, we don't need to make everything an acronym. CBT currently refers to like five things in the universe. Yeah. And having any conversation about any of them instantly involves three people who do not understand what you're talking about. Mhm. Anyway, you know the best. CFS. Grind some round or chuck steak course in a meat grinder. Make patties. Bread and fry. Make gravy if you want. And serve it on the side. It's just that simple, folks. Mash spuds and green beans with yeast rolls. This is not gourmet food with powders and stuff. But novice writers like this always screw up the gravy. It should be more like a sauce, not something that can stand as a glob. And I can hear you all yelling, and you are all correct. Mm. Somebody has taken the initiative to respond six years later. And they are performing a ratio on this person because dividing by zero is infinity and that's the number of likes that the original person got. But they say, no, 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 not ground beef of any sort, sirloin or even round steak pounded thin, then breaded, frying bacon fat for the very best flavor, period. Used fried chicken oil is better. I've done both. Whatever. We don't need to get into it. And please serve with cream gravy made from the drippings. And check out this. There we go. This is absolute posterization coming in. Chicken fried steak, not chicken fried burger.
1: Woo! Boom! Get his ass. Yeah, this guy who wrote this comment, he also said elsewhere uh, some fat-shaming stuff about how you need to go exercise if you want to eat chicken fried steak a lot, things like that. He's got a lot of very strong opinions, and they all kind of suck. Like, he doesn't have a good idea for how to make chicken fried steak, but he wants you to know about it. He doesn't like gourmet food with powders and stuff. By the way, this recipe called for, I believe, some garlic powder in with the uh, breading for the steak, and that was it. If he thinks garlic powder is some kind of fancy frou-frou powder, I don't know what to tell him. And to say novice writers always screw up the gravy – you're taking a pot shot at the writer of this recipe that you don't like because you don't understand it? Ugh, I don't like this guy one bit.
0: Yeah, no, this guy sucks. And it it again, it's pretty obvious that everybody kind of formed the, the classic cordon sanitaire. You know, nobody wanted to interact with him for six years. And then finally somebody felt, you know what? This person, the half-life on this comment, it's probably decayed the radioactivity enough that I can safely interact <laughs> with it. So I can I can go in there.
1: Yeah. Just say it's all wrong.
0: Yeah. No, every, every single thing of this is wrong. The gravy is not optional, by the way. <laughs> and it is not served on the side. Are you kidding me? Yeah. The whole point of the gravy is that you put it over the top of the steak and the potatoes. Like, that's what it is. This is completely counter to everything about this dish. This person is a raging idiot.
1: A lot of the recipes and commenters' point of pride is that they can make a chicken fried steak so deliciously crispy that it won't get soggy under this blanket of gravy, which is essential.
0: hmm Yeah. And again, my experience with the recipe was how often, part of the, the reason that I started working on improving it, is how often the steak would essentially steam inside the breading, and so the breading would separate very easily. Yeah. A lot of what I've been working on is how do you get the breading to stick so that that doesn't happen, basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is – doing cloaking yourself in simplicity while making up some dumb shit, uh, that's actually harder to do than the standard recipe, which is already a lot of work. Yeah. Like, that's the amazing thing. It's not simple. You made it more complicated. <laughs>
1: I also get the feeling.
0: Oh, I know. I feel like I know where this is going. Let's see.
1: Okay. This is the type of uh, uh, bloviating you get from someone who doesn't cook. Yes! I knew it! I knew it! I was going to say, I bet if we gave this guy more rope to hang himself, he would then talk about, well, I th- I'm think i pretty sure my wife does it this way. He, I'm sure he doesn't know what he's talking about with how to
0: cook this. And also, I'm I'm not going to lie, the, the powders thing- And maybe this is just because we're coming off of a month where we saw a lot of barely hidden um, xenophobia about food, but the powder thing really feels like a low-key racist thing. Yeah. I don't get that. And like you said, using spices in powdered form is such a classic bit of Americana instead of going straight to a source. And I'm not knocking it. You know, I have spice mixes that I use- But to pretend that that somehow makes food complicated, dear God, go fuck yourself.
1: (laughs) Yeah, really. Yeah, there's
0: nothing to like about this guy. And that's great because it's on him that we're going to conclude today's journey through the culinary abyss. Mm -hmm. Louisa, take us out.
1: Folks, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends. And if you can, please rate and review us on your podcatcher.
0: If you want to follow us on social media, if I did my job right, our handles are in the episode description. But what you can also join, if you just talk to one of us, we'll get you set up, is the greatest place on the internet filled with the greatest people on the internet. That's right. It's the No Substitutions Please Discord where we chat about food, exchange recipes for food and drink if that's what you're into, share pictures of what we're cooking, and demand justice for the many food crimes perpetrated in this society where we live.
1: And until next time, we have been No Substitutions, Please. And like the best cooks, we will leave you wanting more.